Hey friends, I'm Ashley. Hey you guys! I'm Lainey. And this is Haunted Real Estate. So this episode is something a little bit more near and dear to our hearts and is a bit of a throwback to our first episode. We're back in Galveston, Texas, you guys. Woohoo! This is probably one of the most well-known properties in Galveston. It's also known as Queen of the Gulf, and we'll be talking about its very haunted history. This is the Galvez. So we brought on a guest today, our other sister, Megan. Hello! Hey, Meg. Sisters? Sisters? So, Megan and I visited the Galvez. It was Mother's Day weekend, 2021. So, we love this hotel. And I we- wasn't invited. But You're not a mother. I know. I'm just... <laughs> throw that out there it was 2021 man that yeah. like that sounds like it was yesterday but it wasn't that's yeah weird. no it wasn't it was a while it was two years ago um feels like so longer <laughs> take a stroll along with it wait you said it was yesterday and then now you said <laughs> no. it felt like longer <laughs> i'm not right in the head it was, we it all was yesteryear that. it was yesteryear <laughs> <laughs> the days of your yeah there you go um so come Take a stroll with us as we go through this beautiful historical marvel located at 2024 Seawall Boulevard in Galveston, Texas. Let's giddy up. Yeehaw. So first I want to say that our two primary sources for today come from the author Kathleen Maka. I really hope that's how you pronounce it, M-A-C-A. She wrote Ghosts of Galveston and our primary source for today's information, A History of the Hotel Galvez. So Megan and I purchased her books during our stay at the Galvez. We purchased multiple books while we were we there. We, we, we went a little bought, overboard. Like, four books, and it was all on the history or stories of Galveston. So, Why uh, don't you all talk a little bit about why you chose to go to Galveston for Mother's Day and what you all did there? Well, we are going to talk about some of our experiences there, but at the end. Okay. So, Well, I can say the reason we went there is yeah, yeah. it was Mother's Day. We wanted a trip away, and you, know, you had always wanted to stay at the Galvez, and... Yeah, we, I think we had just closed on a big house, too. Oh, it was your house. Oh, <laughs> I was just your, kidding. We were it like, was, let's celebrate the Let's celebrate, yeah, because I had, you know, one house for sale. We were in it. We were, like, we owned two houses at the time, so it was it was a big deal because I was like, i got to get one of these houses off of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was a part of it, and then we're like, let's just do Mother's Day weekend. It was, like, two weeks after the close of your home. And, um, and that yeah. was my first massage ever. Yeah. Oh yeah, yes, ever? ever. Oh, I bet. And that I'm was. I'm hooked. Yeah, <laughs> I'm totally hooked. Yes, it was blissful. So back in the 1800s, Galveston was Texas's largest city. So before the Galvez, there was one other grand beachfront hotel called Beach Hotel. Clever name. I was just to say that was that took a lot it for the break of that hotel called Beach Hotel. They they, <laughs> they wanted no confusion. Uh, That hotel opened on the 4th of July, 1883, um, due to some pretty dramatic events, which included somebody being killed by a lion, bankruptcy, and a fire. This hotel only survived 15 years, unfortunately. A lion doing on the island. It was at the hotel. They had like a menagerie or something. Okay, because I'm like, what? That had some wild animals and somebody was killed by a lion. Okay. (laughs) 
It's yeah. like, this is not making any kind of sense right now. Yeah. So 15 years is a pretty short life for a hotel. So now we're approaching the year 1900. So we come to literally one of the deadliest natural disasters, not only in Texas history, but also U.S. history. I think it's because I'm such a Texas person, even though I wasn't born here, but I was raised here, that mm-hmm. the second somebody says 1900, my mind immediately just goes, oh no. And like, I go to a dark place mm-hmm. because, because if you're from Texas, especially around our area, you know that that was the year that it went down. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This hurricane, yeah, it was horrible to U.S. history. And I will tell you that it is not the worst hurricane that Texas has seen, but it was the most disastrous due to how unprepared, well, one, how unprepared we were, but there had been no kind of preparations made for hurricanes. Obviously, we do a lot of that now. A lot of houses are up on stilts that are near beaches or lakes. You know, we have better drainage. So it was not the worst hurricane, but the most deadliest and the most costly. And um, So at this point in Galveston, there were 37,000 residents that lived there. Um, They were thriving in the shipping, banking, and commercial centers. More than 70% of the U.S. cotton imports actually went through Galveston. So it was known as the Wall Street of the West, as they called it. Side note, I think it's really weird when they call us the West because I feel like we're the middle. Yeah, I know. That is weird. Like California is the West. We're the middle. So, but I guess they don't. I guess say, anything well, from the original what thirteen is west. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, west of the Mississippi. So, since Galveston was one of the most popular cities of its time, it was the city's first as far as medical schools, insurance companies, country clubs, and more. Tourists from all over would come to visit Galveston and see it in all of its glory. So, in 1900, we were not naming storms yet. We didn't do that for quite a while. Um, so they're just labeled by its year usually. So even today, this storm is known as the 1900 storm storm of 1900 or the great storm and people from texas will know what you're talking about yeah because this changed everything for galveston yes it It really did Mm -hmm. and like today you see plaques on homes and it's like a a badge of honor if it's a house that made it through the great 1900 Mm -hmm. hurricane Mm -hmm. there's a plaque on the building that says made it through basically you know a little bit more eloquent but yeah yeah uh survivor of the 1900 storm is usually what they say uh the day was september 8th 1900 After analyzing historical data, scientists believe this was a Category 4 hurricane with winds reaching up to 135 miles per hour. If you've been in Galveston, you know that there is a seawall, okay, that only came into existence after the Great Storm. Unfortunately, in 1886, people actually proposed a seawall for this very reason because the highest point of the island was only about 9 feet above sea level, which is not very high. I wonder if those folks from 1886 were just like, I knew it. I told uh, you so. I guarantee it. Yes, because the 1900 storm was the lesson learned. Now we're building a seawall. Yeah. So the storm surges were up to 15 feet high. Out of 37,000 inhabitants on the island, 30,000 became homeless. So basically wow. 7,000 didn't lose their home. And upwards of 8,000 of those people, not the 7,000, um, 8,000 of the 37,000 people died. And just and those numbers vary. I've seen from six to 12,000, so kind of 8,000 well, is where I chose in the middle. Well, back in the day, you couldn't get so a much. A full head count, yeah. and not everybody was, yeah, 10% you know. went homeless? That's crazy. I read the book that I... Wait, not more than 10%. I said 30,000 became homeless. Yeah, and there's 37,000? Yes, is that, what is, is that not 
Yeah. Do we have there another was, sodomy episode on our hands? <laughs> <laughs> there were 7,000. Maybe I'm out of the bottom <laughs> It would all make sense then. <laughs> Approximately 7,000 that their houses still stood. So I don't And 30,000 went homeless. I don't Got know it. where you're getting 10%. From. I still I think she's either. confused. I see confusion I in her eyes. If 300,000, then 30,000 would be 10%. So this is more people went homeless than not. Got it. Are we okay with that? Yeah, we're fine. Okay. I'll be educating myself in silence over here. (laughs) On my phone looking up math. (laughs) How do you math? (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) And Kathleen puts those, Kathleen the author, puts those numbers into perspective. It was just over 1,800 people that died in Katrina. So anywhere from the six to 12,000 is astronomical. But again, like I said, it really had to do with not being fully prepared for a hurricane. Well, I read that book we got at the hotel about the night the flood, and it was like people's own accounts. Oh my gosh, that book was such a good read because it really gives you like such a grasp on how things happen and how amazing it is that anybody survived. Because mm-hmm. some of these survivor stories is like they were how up in did trees. you? Yeah, like how did you do that? How did you manage to get through that? And like some people, they would be the one and only person in their entire family, like sisters, brothers, children, mm-hmm. dogs that survived. Like, I don't know that I'd want to survive if the rest of my family was gone. Like, kind of right. like, what's the point? Right. That's some major survivor's guilt. I'm oh, sure. God, yes. Yeah. But I mean, it's just, they survived and it was a miracle that they survived. Yeah, we'll probably do an episode on the 1900 hurricane, not because it's a property, because it so affected the island, how we prepared, how things changed and how they were built, the infrastructure, everything changed because of that storm. Well, most so of I the do. ghost stories in Galveston are people from yeah, the that flood, storm. that exactly. you know, the flooding that killed everybody. So this storm was devastating beyond belief, if we haven't made that clear. But one particularly sad story is that of Sister Catherine and the Nine Orphans. So there is a Walmart uh, where this... Walmart? They at, yes. That's where it is now. Oh. The, yes. Where there is a Walmart Walmart there today and that the I'm sorry I don't think I have the address for that Walmart at the top of my head but if you looked up the Walmart in Galveston it's haunted too wait but the I think one it, that's like on the seawall that we'd go to to get stuff yes yes oh wow it's not on the seawall but it's, close, I think it's yeah. on the major boulevard on the way to yeah. yes it's very close so there was I think they called it an orphan asylum which sounds like like mentally ill children yeah. live there but that's not what that was um I mean, they were orphans. Um, So when the storm came, oh, hello. It was literally my next line. Where the Walmart is located today in Galveston on 6702 Seawall was an orphanage. But it's not on the actual Seawall, but it's like a block or two away. I was going to say, it's like two blocks away, I think. Yeah. So when the storm came tearing apart the orphanage, the sisters, the nuns, were trying to get the kids out of the elements, but it ripped through that part of the orphanage. So Sister Catherine and some of the other nuns. Wasn't it like there was... Very little nuns ratio versus kids. So there was like no way for them to. Right. They couldn't. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. I mean, in kind of any children to adult ratio, there's usually more kids than adults. Um, So Sister Catherine and some of the other nuns tied themselves together with the children to keep all. This is the girls because these nuns were in the girls' quarters. There were some boys that survived, and literally, like I just said, they were found up in trees. They tied all the girls together to the nuns because the surge was just coming in so hard. So sadly, they were sucked into the water, and since they were roped together, they all drowned together. Did they not rope the boys? They just roped the girls? Those were, there's a different side of the 
that side actually didn't get torn apart at nearly as much as the girl's side did. Oh, okay. So they only really talk about this story. I know there were some boys that died, but they just didn't get hit as hard. Because I've always heard the stories about the children, but I've never realized before that it was mainly the girls that died and that particular building got hit harder than the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like that wing of the building. I get the logic between, but by wanting to tie them to each other, but not in a flooding environment. I mean, if one's down, you're all down. Well, and that's why I think it was like, well, if we have a none in the front, none in the back, you know, we should be fine. But you're just not taking into account. That sounded being, so bad. Being sucked. <laughs> what? A none in the front and a none in the behind. Okay. Well, my head did not go there. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. That is just something you never expect to hear in a sentence together. My bad. So a part of the reason why that the nut, this Sister Catherine made it into this story was, yes, we're talking about the 1900 hurricane. But they drowned where the Galvez stands today, and their bodies were buried where they were found. So they are actually buried on the property of the Galvez. So, Sister Catherine, if you didn't get where I was getting with that, is one of the ghosts of the Galvez. And she is known to be standing usually in the lawn area, um, but you can often hear sounds of children when there are none present. And Megan and I have a story about that later. Yes, yes, we do. At least there's not a nun ghost with children tied to her. Could you imagine what that would look like? No, No, I cannot. I don't don't want to see that. (laughs) No. So now as we know, it's not just the storm that does damage, but it's also fires and other effects that continue after the storm has dissipated. Two thirds of Galveston, that's 66% Laney, um, was (laughs) destroyed where when all was said and done. And what's even more unfortunate is the city never became again any kind of financial leader like they were. Yeah, because when you say like how when they talk about the history of how big Galveston was and how like busy it was, it's you can't compute that with what it looks like today. Today, it's like a small, it feels and kind of looks like a small town, beach town, whereas mm-hmm. you you hear about back then how we were like Wall Street. I just, I can't put yeah. those two together. It just doesn't You can see the remnants of it, but so much, so much of Galveston is looking at the past. Yeah. Because there's a lot of things that still stand, but are completely vacant, vacant and dilapidated. And it's, I mean, that part is sad, but I love Galveston. So do I. I do too. Besides the dirty looking water, but I'll still go. Hey. But it's not dirtier than other ocean water. It's it's brown because we have darker, silty sand. So post-1900 storm, they decided now, you know what? A seawall is a great idea. Let's go ahead and do that. But only 8,000 plus lives had to be sacrificed to come to that conclusion. So January 1902, now they are planning out the seawall. So the initial segment was completed July of 1904. It's a curved shape. It's 16 feet wide at the base, five feet wide at the top. So it's got like a concave sort of look to it and it's 17 feet high so the seawall is still there today and has proved its worth over the years because the hurricanes are still very prevalent and they did not stop coming so another drastic change was having to basically level the island and raise all the surviving houses so smaller homes ended up on stilts some of the larger ones had to be moved the ground graded and then put back on their plots this was very expensive and i really came to the expense of the people but it came from the taxpayers and then individual homeowners had to pay. So it was very expensive. Today, there are, like we just said, several houses that still stand with a placard as a survivor of the 1900 storm. Uh, my family and I, my husband and kids and I, I know two of my other family members are sitting here right now, um, have stayed in those historic homes. So it's it's just really awesome to feel like you're just a little part of history. Like this building has 
seen so much. So the causeway, um, which was the bridge connecting the island to the mainland, was completed in 1912. So this basically now allowed cars to come to the island when most people were just being boated to and from. I guess I never realized that. Well, when I read the 1900-year flood book, there was train tracks. So they had some sort of bridgeway but maybe yeah. it was just for trains because there was a story about the people that got trapped in the train carts because the train just stopped running when they realized it couldn't go any further because of the pre-surge the coming in. The storm? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was in that book I read. So there was trains coming in and... I know, okay, so I know at the time there were trains at the neighboring cities like League City, Texas City. People would just take the boat to the mainland and then hit a train from there. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't know. Well, and maybe it could That's be, you know, that somewhere real close to there yeah. on its way there, you know, because even though it hits Galveston, you're still going to feel it anywhere close to there because that hurricane was huge. Yeah. So I could be mistaken. So when the causeway was finished, 1912, so about 12 years Post-hurricane, Galveston was pretty much back in business. Never fully recovered, but back in business as the best it was going to be. So, like I said, now you could drive to the island rather than boat, which made it much more convenient for tourism. After years of rebuilding, the gorgeous Galvez is going to be built here as beachfront property, and here's where we are now getting to the Galvez. So the Galvez ultimately is a symbol of the resilience of the city and is still a symbol of the resilience of the city because they've dealt with so much shit over the last 123 years. Um, So one of the main architects of the Galvez was Ernest John Russell. He was one of the lead architects in the country, having been a major player in the buildings such as Houston's Rice Hotel, uh, Gunter Hotel in San Antonio, the rail, the Railway Exchange and Federal Reserve Bank in St. Louis, and many more buildings. So where the Galvez stands today, there were small homes and some businesses on that property. The board members bought out that land, and most of those houses were moved um, just to other parts of the island. So I don't want to say for certain, but I don't think this was a situation where people were losing their homes or something to corporate America coming and like stomping out the little man. They did move a, lo- a lot of those houses. So So the building of this hotel, um, there was a general positive attitude from the Galveston community. Naming the hotel was a battle. Since the Beach Motel had been the luxury hotel previously on the island, there were several proponents of naming it the Galveston Beach Hotel. I'm so glad. I'm so glad they didn't go with that. (laughs) I'm so glad. The Galveston Beach Hotel was dismissed because the board members did not want any correlation uh, with it being directly on the beach first off because it's not directly on the beach but it is within short walking distance they also didn't want it to have any relation to the storms just because if you say beach motel and then people start thinking of the 1900 hurricane they're like no i don't want to be right there on the beach um so there were several suggestions that they had to sift through but another one was the pelican oh no which is the native (laughs) beach bird don't be a disgruntled pelican Um, Dixie was another suggestion, which I don't think would have stood the test of time, but funnily enough, it was dismissed because the board members thought it had negative connotations to Northerners, so that name was shot down. But they had a really, a, a lot of foresight there, I thought. Yeah. Finally, and unanimously, the board agreed on Hotel Galvez, which the name comes from Bernardo de Galvez with the motto, I alone, or Yo Solo. Since he was Spanish. And inside, but, but. It's not very community loving. 
I alone. Oh, well, I'll tell you why. And it does make more sense. Prove it. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'm getting there. So inside the hotel, you see uh, Bernardo de Galvez's coat of arms. There's also a portrait of him. I alone motto was aptly named since the people of Galveston alone came together without the help of outside funds to make that hotel possible. So it's like Galveston saying I alone or Galveston. Galvestonian, Galvestonians, Galvestonians, Galvestonians. God, it took me a while to get okay, that. Okay, well, that's that's a little bit more beautiful. Then. Yeah, it's it, well, and the Galvez just sounds like fancy yeah. and elegant. Galveston. And, yeah, that that sounds better than the Dixie Motel, which we have at Dixie Motel where I live, and it's well. First off, I didn't say motel, but you're associating well, it I'm because a, you yes, have a Dixie Motel. Yes, and it. In Branham, Texas. Yeah, in Branham, and it it burnt down, and it wasn't a good place to be, and now that they've rebuilt it, it's better, but... Oh, she's stuck in character. Yeah, I'm stuck in character. (laughs) It just just doesn't ring nice in my head. That's where Megan used to go do keg stands on the weekends. No, 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 no. Let's get that clear in case anybody from my hometown is listening. I never went to the Dixie Motel. Okay. Okay, and volume down, so you don't have to scream it. Yeah, well... I want it I want it known. So, at its completion, the hotel stood eight stories high in the front section, which housed the majority of the rooms, and then it has two wings, which are five stories. Many of the advertisements went on to tell potential guests that this was a fireproof hotel, which totally oh, no. gives me Titanic vibes. <laughs> exactly, that's exactly yeah. where my head Can't went. Catch like, fire. No, don't do that. You're asking for it. Exactly. Actually, I, I completely forgot. First off, I wanted to show y'all pictures. So here's Bernardo de Galvez, and that's that the portrait not that is what I thought he was going to look oh, like. You're saying that's not Bernardo de Galvez. <laughs> no, I, 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 no. It is. That's George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> with a little with a little flare. <laughs> yes, with the sailboat in the background and then at actually so I found a picture where it actually says fireproof hotel and that was it under construction. Oh wow. It, that's so crazy because that looks so small and the hotel that stands today is so big and you think that it's always been this big giant, you know, beacon that you see. Yeah. Mhm. And that it started out so small, you forget that, you know, it's that old and it's been added on and it stood the test of time. Yep. So it says that was opening spring 1911 and it's fireproof. So, um, you know, well, that goes for you. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun. Well, it's actually done okay on the fire side of things. Um, but I just, I think because of these historical things that have happened, like the Titanic, the yeah. unsinkable ship, I'm like, nah, we're not going to say that. I don't speak in absolutes. And I definitely, like, I'm very careful about that in real estate. So, like, well, I've heard people say, like, this area can never flood. I'm like, what are you saying? Anything it's Texas. Can flood. Anything can happen. If I'm a thousand feet above sea level, I would still never be like, this can't flood. I'm, you know what? It yeah. can. Okay? It can. I'm just going to say that. There could be a biblical flood. I don't know. So the building was primarily concrete, covered in brick, and then finished in stucco. So it is fairly fireproof. I mean, not to say that things can't catch fire inside, but the building itself being concrete, brick, and stucco, it's pretty hard for the whole building to catch fire. Yeah. Um, So what they did was they crushed um, Texas red granite into the stucco, which gave it a sort of pinkish, pinkish finish. Well, and then that just makes it cool. Right. Yeah. Because the land is literally in the building. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. So there was a lot of thought and respect put into this building, and that has been pretty consistent with all the owners of the building, which I think is pretty awesome. And because it's granite and it had that pinkish finish, it kind of illuminated in the sun. So, and then it was built with Spanish red roof tile. There are three entrances to the building. The main entrance, 
faced south towards the Gulf. Um, that's where to. That's one of the entrances. Today, that is the main entrance that faces the Gulf. And let me just say, when you pull up, like it is grand. You feel like you're kind of almost stepping back in time a little bit, and it's just it's it's a really nice entrance. I really loved it and the feels that it gives you when you pull up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never even walked in it, but I've of course seen it every time I go to Galveston. But yes, yeah, we're going back for sure. Oh yeah. Um, but the main entrance at the time was facing north it was the back side so the south was just like an alternative entrance and then there's two wings that sort of face the center which has it's like a palm court with palms and oleanders so the interior had a lot of mahogany um and side note i do keep referencing this i I know i keep talking in past tense um but because a lot of this is in the past and things have been rebuilt since then but the hotel does still stand and exist today just i want to make that clear but i talk a lot in past tense So the interior had a lot of wood elements, walnut chairs with Spanish leather. Uh, The bar was hand-carved black oak. That bar is no longer there today, but they did take the bar from the Tremont Hotel in Galveston in 1992 um, because it was actually owned by the same people, the the Mitchells, who I will talk about. Um, That's where Cynthia Wood Mitchell gets its name, um, Pavilion in the Woodlands. Oh. Um, They owned a lot of property in Galveston and... I think genuinely tried to show respect to all of the hotels and, um, and Tremont is going to be one of the hotels we do in the very near future. Um, so they took the Tremont hotel bar and put that in the Galvez, which was a part of a speakeasy. And so it was really like the last speakeasy in Galveston. And so they took it from Tremont and put it in the Galvez. Oh, that's cool. There is also a legend about this bar that the bartender that was serving during prohibition served a special lime drink to a woman named Margaret and this is where the margarita was invented. Oh, well, that's fun. Okay, I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> I'm going to believe it, okay? Oh, yeah, I'll choose to believe it. Did y'all hang out in the speakeasy bar? Yeah, we sat at that bar. Yeah, we sat there. Was it, well, how'd it feel? I mean, I, I liked the, all Both. the feels <laughs> yeah. of the hotel, except for our, our later episode that we'll, we'll, we'll talk about here in a little bit. <laughs> I was a big chicken. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I just know not to depend on certain sisters in my life. If something major happens, that I'm going to need to be the one that steps up. But that's okay. Um, so where the Galvez Spa is today, there was a barber shop and a doctor's office. And then that changes later, too. It also is where there was a soda fountain, um, which was pretty remarkable for 1911. Um, and it was in the drugstore there. So... Where is the spa and fitness center and everything today was barbershop, small doctor's office, soda fountain, and a drugstore. So the pool at the time, which is not where the pool is today, was actually filled with seawater, which kind of sounds gross. Um, Yeah, it does. It's like the cheap way to go about (laughs) it. Let's build this big fancy hotel and then we'll just suck in some of this gold. Get some buckets from outside (laughs) and just toss it in. Yeah. I'll just suck it on up in here. Yeah. Um, but no. it was considered luxury because it people didn't have to leave the hotel to get the saltwater experience. But, you know, it, it's not my thing, but that's great that people loved it. Yeah. There's nothing like staying at a hotel when you can jump in a pool after the beach and get all the sand off. Yeah. You. But if you're jumping in the beach, <laughs> then jumping in the beach kind of takes away that effect. Yeah. A little bit. So there were 275 rooms for guests. 225 of those had private baths, so you could have a cheaper room that didn't have its own bathroom. Ew, no. You're sitting there with your mouth covered away from the microphone. But it's just, ugh. 
That sounds cool. No, I agree. Um, but that was actually very common a lot of the old hotels. Like, we talked about that with Hotel Cecile. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's that, how most places were back then. It yeah. Just, I mean, and a lot of them still don't community. necessarily have Well, we're first world problems, okay? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's where that goes. Yeah. Megan needs her own shitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, the more simple room accommodations had single bed, vanity, chest, mirror, chair, um, electric lamps and chandeliers, um, and telephone, steam heat, which sounds terrible at the beach to me, but yeah. that's how they were getting their heat in the room. Um, and a sink that had both hot and cold water, and doorknobs were made of glass, which I, I really the- wish they would put that in the new, because the new renovations. Um, they're not going but, to. That doesn't help with the technology that they're I know, but putting I in there. I love glass and order. When I can, I'm putting glass and order. Narnarbs. I had my a, a few in my old house, which I loved. I mean, they could have been plastic, but they looked like that crystal glass knob. So here is a guest room in 1911, so you guys can take Aww. a little picture. That is pretty. I mean, especially when you think of like how far mm-hmm. ago, long ago that was, it, it actually does look really nice. It does. But does it not look like you're going to fall through that baby chair that they give you? Where? Oh, yeah. That's like a one butt cheek chair. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think people have gotten bigger over time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would straight crush that thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bye bye, baby. <laughs> Um, so the hotel opened its jo- doors June 10th, 1911, and was dubbed the Queen of the Gulf. And it is still sometimes called that today. So the room rate started at $2 per night or $12 per week. Oh, I wish they were still that way. <laughs> I know. Same. Oh, my gosh. I, I know. can afford to go places. Yeah. <laughs> if you wanted a room with a private bathroom, that was $2.50 per night. So the hotel had an open house to the public from 3 to 6 p.m. on June 12th, and 5,000 Galvestonians showed up to revel in this gorgeous property. Um, there was an orchestra, I couldn't say that word, orchestra that played during mealtimes. Um, so the hotel was kind of like a hopping place, and they had tons of hol- holiday parties and events. So this was really the place to be on the island. Um, I did. Can you imagine going to that like back in those days? How awesome! And oh my, Halloween parties! Isn't oh my gosh, picture that is. Oh, I love that. Yeah, we're gonna try and post all these pictures that I'm showing them. Um, But it's in kind of the main hall area. Yes, I love that. They had two um, pillars columns. Yeah, Um, but atop of those are. Pumpkins that are smiling. And then what do you think it's hanging? Like moss or something? Moss or something like yeah, that. Yeah, moss hanging from the chandeliers and down the columns. So anyway, they apparently the Halloween parties were pretty fun. And that would be amazing. So 1915, the hotel's doing great. It's getting all sorts of business. And Galveston had been mostly restored from the 1900 hurricane. So we're 15 years later. Another hurricane is headed towards the Gulf. And oh, of course. puts the structure of the Galvez and the seawall to a real test. And just 1915 was not the first hurricane since 1900. There was one in 1909, um, but it was significantly smaller. There were five deaths, and literally those five people that died were in front of the seawall. So... Were they trying to commit suicide? Because that's what it sounds like. Well, you know, people go (laughs) surfing during hurricanes now, and you're like, what the heck are you thinking? I mean, that's just not worth it. So, 1915, the island did receive warnings. The 1900 hurricane, I didn't fully say all this because I don't know the whole story behind it. There were ways to warn people back in that day, even though technology wasn't as great. But there was actually, I'm talking about the 1900 hurricane, there was actually like a 
a little bit of a war going on between two sort of weather reporting Yes, we learned systems. about this when we did that haunted tour. Yeah. So there was, yeah, there was weather things that you could do, but But these two weather companies were battling it out, and so they did not get the message to Galvestonians that a big storm was coming until right before the storm hit, and it was just way too late. Well, and like many things, this hurricane changed even weather, how you report yeah, weather. exactly. And I think people, like, you need to put your ego aside and just freaking warn people. It doesn't matter. It's so stupid. So they did receive warnings, and they were given time to evacuate or seek shelter. Um, A lot of Galvestonians don't do that. And I'm not saying that's wise or not wise, but there really is a sense of, I don't know, strength, pride in Galveston, and a lot of people want to weather out the storms. So this storm, according to Galveston.com, was actually more powerful than the 1900 hurricane. But due to the seawall and other safety measures put into place, the death toll was significantly less. So many sought shelter at the Galvez, which is the first of many storms where people seek shelter. Due to its very strong structure, remember what I say, cement, brick, and stucco. stucco. So it's pretty freaking strong. Um, and it's behind the seawall. So they had their own guests occupying rooms, and Galvestonians um, were able to come in and seek shelter. So literally every single room got occupied, and they were even asked to share rooms with some people. So you, like you and another family might be sharing a room together. Um, they literally were trying to accommodate every single person if they could. And those... When all the rooms were shared and they couldn't pack any more in like sardines, they did allow people to stay in the lobby. They really did not want to turn anybody away um, because a lot of those people survived through the 1900 storm or very well know about it. So Um, thankfully, due to the concave design of the seawall, most of the water and spray stayed behind the seawall, but there was enough force to shatter some of the fifth floor windows. Again, giving very Titanic vibes. There was an orchestra that started playing when the the storm got really strong. Goodness. (laughs) So much of these hurricanes just remind me of Titanic, but it was like, Everybody was freaking out. They were saying women were fainting, children were crying. It well, was all those people that lifted the 1900 flood. Yeah, they're, like, they're having PTSD. They're having exactly. flashbacks. Like this literally, is my time. If I didn't go the first time, it's, it's getting me now. Yeah, women are freaking out. They're fainting. So then the orchestra starts playing when the worst of the storm gets there. Um, and then you have people dancing and drinking and having a party, which That'd is what me. Galvestonians <laughs> do now during hurricanes. Yep. And so this was really the first known hurricane party that Galveston had. Where it all began. Yeah, where it all began. 1915 started the first hurricane party. Um, so fires did break out during the storm, not not at the Galvez, but just in the surrounding area as well as two granite statues that were erected after the 1900 storm. How does a granite statue catch fire? I was not finished with what I was saying. Oh, I was just (laughs) going to say that just... There were fires, and those two granite statues were torn off their bases, was the next thing I was going to say. Oh, okay. All right. My bad. Um, The guests only had candlelight. All the power, including the phone and telegraph, went out, and this remained a hurricane zone for 153 hours, which... Doing that math is over six days. I'm hot. Good Lord have mercy. I'm hot thinking yeah. about it. I'm itching from all that salt water. No. <laughs> no. Um, so the Galvez didn't charge people for food. The dining room did take on two inches of water, but they did continue serving um, in bread lines, anybody that needed food, and hot coffee. They were able to go and get it. 
One woman did give birth in room 231 during... Oh, that fucking sucks. (laughs) Can you imagine that? But, I mean, okay, back in those days, there wasn't much she could do for pain. So she did technically have a lot of distractions to where she didn't have to constantly think, oh, I hurt, oh, I hurt, oh, I hurt. Oh, that's when, oh, am I going to drown? You know, there's other things to think about. Yeah, there's a lot of different (laughs) things. You're right, you're right. Um, the hotel was very accommodating to them and they actually sent a letter up to the room saying, we're going to take care of you. Don't worry about it. And that family actually still has that letter and passes it down. Did they name their child Galvez? I don't know what they named their kid. Actually. I didn't see that. (laughs) Well, Um, my husband, he came out peeing and so my mother-in-law named him after the doctor he peed on coming out. Oh, I was like, (laughs) wait, what does he have a nickname? (laughs) Yeah. His middle name is the doctor's name. So I was like, you know. Pisser. Is it, is it no, Derek, it's not pisser. Derek Urin? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Sorry, babe. I love you. Um, is he even listening? Probably not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so some parts of the hotel did take on significant damage. Um, the basement, the first floor carpet, and the gardens were all ruined. But the building and those being housed in it were safe. The death toll in this hurricane was 275, which was just a fraction of those that died in the 1900 hurricane, even though the storm was stronger. They actually think this might have been a Category 5 hurricane. I don't know when they started categorizing hurricanes. It's usually based on wind speed. Um, So it's kind of having to go back and see what they think all those things were, um, but it, it's been labeled a Category 5 hurricane. That Well, that goes to show you right then and there, the seawall did its job, and mm-hmm. that was the right decision. Money yeah. well spent. Yes. So through the 1920s and 30s, Galveston put on pageants and several events that brought in hundreds and thousands each time they did these events, and the hotel was really doing better than ever. And Starting during Prohibition, Galveston was nicknamed the Free State of Galveston because they don't give a shit what the law says. We gonna There's, drink. We're gonna drink and we're gonna gamble, and that's what they were doing. So it was bootlegging, gambling, and definitely a party going on. Um, some of those people that came and hang out came to hang out at the Galvez during that time: Frank Sinatra, Fred Astaire. Singer Peggy Lee, Sammy Davis Jr., Duke Ellington, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, Dang. Mel Torme, Jane Mansfield, Tony Bennett. Dang, that is Bob cool. Hope, and, and many more. I Honestly, I didn't know the names of every single person, so I didn't add it because I think maybe other people don't know who they are. So, my bad. Um, but those are some of the big names people that were coming and hanging out in Galveston. Random that is really cool. Thought, is Jerry Lewis the Great Balls of Fire guy? Yes. Okay. Who married See, his you, cousin. You do know some stuff. I do know some stuff. <laughs> Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. So okay, here is, enough. okay, and, and, and that. Something else pretty amazing in 1937, the Galvez was the temporary White House. Yes, so, I thought that was so cool. I know. I, yeah, I didn't know that until I was doing this research. So President Franklin Roosevelt was coming to the Gulf on a fishing trip and was either going to set up temporary headquarters in Houston or Galveston. Um, Since he'd be fishing and everything, he'd be leaving from Galveston, which made it a good contender to make it the temporary White House. So specifically, the Galvez was the idea for the temporary White House. And due to the owners that had some political connections, they were chosen as the temporary White House. How cool is that? Like, how cool is that? That is super cool. So May 1st through 11th, 1937, the Galvez was the temporary White House, and the White House staff occupied the entire fifth floor of the building. 
So during FDR's stay in Galveston, he signed 32 acts of Congress. Uh, May 6th was the Hindenburg disaster in New Jersey that killed 36 people. This was, in case you don't know, and the, the video is still available, I'm sure, all over YouTube was a German airship. FDR sent a message to Adolf Hitler that came from the Galvez, paying respect for the incident. And I do want to point out that FDR himself did not stay at the hotel. He stayed on a ship. The entire White House staff was on the fifth floor of the Galvez. Doesn't matter. It's still cool. It, no, we it were the, cool. We had the White House for 11 days. Woohoo! Yep. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Newly elected Congressman Lyndon Johnson also came to greet the president during this time, and he is a native Texan. And yes, he, he is. He did stay at the Galvez. Um, some other notable guests would also be Dwight Heisenhower. I can't talk. Dwight Eisenhower, who was, he had a reception held at the Galvez and stayed in the presidential suite. In 1955, Tricky Dick, Richard Nixon, had a press conference at the hotel and stayed overnight as well. So, 1940, the Galvez was purchased by William Moody Jr. Moody may be a familiar name to you from Moody Bank, Moody Gardens, Moody Mansion. Very well-known name. I mean, especially in Texas. I guess I don't know about the rest of the country. Um, But it is a household name for Galveston. So during the war effort in 1942, the hotel was commandeered by the Coast Guard. It was closed to the general public between 1942 and 1944. It was all for the war effort. So the 250-room hotel became military barracks. How nice for those soldiers. I know, right? And up to 1,000 Coast Guardsmen occupied the property. Even the bridal suites were taken over and bunk beds were put in there for the Coast Guardsmen. That Thanksgiving, the servicemen were treated to a special Thanksgiving dinner, but also they allowed single women to come in and dance and party with Ooh, them. Of course they did. Mm-hmm. Thank you for serving. Here's your Thanksgiving treat, boys. But they were told you cannot leave with the men could not leave with the women. The women could not leave with the men. Oh, the women- where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, they had, they had plenty of bunk beds, I'm sure. Yeah. So September 1943, heavyweight champion Jack Dempsey visited the troops at the Galvez. His visit was one of the highlights of their stay. Um, but during that time, new entertainment had to come to the island because you got to entertain the troops. This was where the first Pleasure Pier was built in 1943. Ew. I just what? Ima- I'm imagining the name came from a just more sexual way back then. <laughs> it didn't. It's actually very similar to Pleasure Pier that's there today, okay. um, which is owned by Landry's. Um, they had fishing, carnivals, films, live bands. Um, it, it was a place to just go and have entertainment. To my knowledge, I didn't fully look into it. It wasn't like anything sexual. There was one other crazy incident during their stay in 1943 that they call the secret hurricane that came blazing through again. So remember, this is World War II. There were ships stationed all over the world, but further out in the Gulf, that had the ability to communicate to the island of an incoming storm, but they had to stay radio silent because of the nearby German U-boats. So they could not warn the Galvestonians or anybody that a hurricane was coming. So it's literally today called the secret hurricane. Um, And I'll tell you why here in a second. So up until even hours before the storm came, everybody was going about business as usual because they had no idea it was coming. Luckily, when the storm hit, the Coast Guardsmen stationed on the island immediately went out on rescue efforts and brought civilians back to safety at the Galvez. Again, the hotel acts as a safe haven to the community. So today, nobody really knows the details of this storm. Um... And what those stationed out at sea knew, and there were some that were killed, 
um, because that is classified information in Washington, D.C. So That's crazy. That's insane. Yeah. So yeah. it's literally called the secret hurricane. That's kind of fascinating, though. Yeah, but... Thankfully, that was a good time for the civilians of Galveston to have the Coast Guard hanging out right there because they went out immediately on rescue missions during the storm. So the 1940s through part of the 1950s, the owners profited off illegal gambling that took place in the hotel. I will say one of the spookier ghost stories happened in the 1950s, but I'm not going to talk about it until the end. The most famous ghost of the Galvez met her tragic end during this time, and that's all I'm going to say for now. So around 1957, there were more renovations that changed the rooms, which included now a 21-inch television, an in-wall radio, and individual air conditioners. Woohoo! <laughs> Monday, September 11th, 1961, another super strong storm comes through, and this was one of the strongest storms of the century, and it's coming again for the Texas coast. So at this point we do begin naming storms. So this was Hurricane Carla. Hurricane Carla was kind of a bitch. Oh, she's a bitch. Um, She was a Category 5 hurricane. And in case you don't know, this is where the wind scales on a Category 5 are upwards of 157 miles per hour. So some people did evacuate. But like I said, Galvestonians tend to not leave the island. So forty to 50,000 people chose to stay on the island. And as it had before, the Queen of the Gulf, the Galvez, sheltered its people. And partied. And still partied, of course. (laughs) And the book did not mention if anybody did this before, but they mentioned it for Hurricane Carla, that people were sneaking in their pets, even though it was supposed to be pet-free. But the Galvez was not turning away animals. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, what did people show up with their pets? And they're like, no, leave your dog outside to die? Yeah. I think everyone just throws their hands up during these major storms. Like, Well, the rules don't apply, okay? Yeah. Yeah. It's a confusing time. But this is a very significant storm because it did propel one meteorologist's career, Dan Rather, a native Texan who worked for Houston's KHOU at the time. He came and stood in the Galvez lobby reporting on the storm and sharing with Houston and soon the nation all about people seeking shelter in the Galvez. And then... Very common now, but Dan Rather was the first to do it. He went out and reported on the seawall during the storm, which was really a first and now a common practice. But <laughs> Dan Rather ever here again. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was Dan, a brave move, Dan. Yes, Dan Rather is really the OG and literally being in in the thick of things. Um, and so his broad his broadcast that was being broadcast to Houston went nationwide showing people how terrible the storm was he actually showed a storm map where the eye of the storm was and it really gave people perspective hurricane carla was the entire gulf of mexico this was not a small storm so other new news outlets shared his live broadcast and he became a nationwide beloved journalist i just guess to show you everything in texas really is bigger yes so I mean, there's other pictures on the 1915 hurricane. Again, the seawall did its job. Galvez, there was some significant damage to houses, but a lot of them had been more prepared. And they were now building houses in preparations for storms because they are coming. You don't know how bad they're going to be. You don't know really when they're going to come, but storms are coming. Another fun fact was that in September 1957, a radio station was purchased, KLUF, which changed to KILE. Uh, was purchased, then moved, they moved the station from a small building into the basement of the Galvez. They became a rock and roll station. 
since the Galvez is within a short walking distance to the beach, beachgoers would just walk in and request songs to the DJ. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So they'd be laying out, getting their tan, and then they just walk into the hotel and start requesting songs. One of the popular segments was a Sunday night show called For Lovers Only, which played songs about love called in by listeners dedicating them to their special someone. Delilah. (laughs) (laughs) This was really popular amongst the ladies in hopes that their mans were calling calling in a song dedicated to them. Um, The radio station... Stayed at the Galvez until April 1985, which definitely disappointed the beach people because that was kind of the end of an era for them. Um, a well-known heart surgeon, Dr. Denton Cooley and Archie Bennett purchased the hotel with plans to renovate. So their budget to renovate um, was $10 million. So they partnered with Marriott and formed a franchise agreement. Next, in 1979, the Galvez was added to the National Register of Historic Places and shortly thereafter was a Texas historical landmark. So the hotel did completely shut down for renovations because this was a gut job, basically. Um, They gutted everything from the second story up. They repaired and repainted the stucco on the exterior and refurbished the red roof tiles. The portrait of Bernardo de Galvez that was in the lobby since 1911 was restored. They went $2 million over budget, but reopened their doors June 1980. Room rates, though, went up significantly, which kind of hurt the Galvez because now it almost became unaffordable. So room rates went up um, to $100 a night. From two? Well, $2 was in 1911. It was always pretty cheap to stay there, but I think this tripled or quadrupled how much that they were charging. And going into the 1980s, we were having significant economic issues in the country. So $100 a night was really hard to sustain because... More, most people aren't going to be able to afford that. So they could only manage that until about 1983 when they then began offering coupons and discounts during the off season. Unfortunately, 1983, another hurricane came through. Of course it did. Hurricane Alicia, which did do some damage to the property, both the interior and exterior. So the Galvez had to close their doors once again for repairs. Now, due to how costly all those repairs were to begin with, and then this storm hit, the owners I, took a huge financial hit. Two years after the 75th anniversary, the owners of the Galvez had to declare bankruptcy and repay Aetna Life Insurance Company $7.68 million. Oh, that's so sad. It was. But that is not the end of the tenacious Galvez. In 1993, it was purchased from Aetna for $3 million by Galveston preservationist George P. and Cynthia Woods Mitchell which would be a familiar name if you're familiar with the Woodlands, Texas. And for those of you not familiar with the Woodlands, that is where a lot of our huge concerts are. I think BuzzFest is going to be there. Oh, um, yeah, they've been there several times. Yeah. Many, so many times. That's just kind of where we go if it's not going to be at Energy Stadium or somewhere like that in Houston. It's primarily a big outdoor theater. Hence Pavilion. Pavilion. Mm-hmm. Um, so... The Mitchells, who are huge preservationists and kind of awesome, um, they planned on restoring the hotel once again to its former glory. The Mitchells owned many buildings in Galveston, which include eight buildings on the Strand, Pier 21, which I kind of want to explain the significance of Pier 21 because it's not just a place that a boat comes and docks and then leaves. Or a store. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Forever twenty one, but with Sailor no, and no. Tyler. Pier one. Pier one. Oh, okay. I was oh. combining the two together. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Pier one is a furniture store. Megan Math. Forever twenty one is a clothing store. And Pier, Pier twenty one is a sailor pier. clothing. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the significance of Pier twenty one. Um, today still owned by Mitchell Properties. It has several restaurants that me and my family frequent every time we go to Galveston, but they also have a museum of the 1900 hurricane and where the Alyssa resides, which I'm not a ship nerd, but I love ships. I think, I mean, like old ships are so beautiful and amazing and I wish I were like a pirate sometimes, but not really. But. I think that makes you a ship nerd. But okay, but I'm not. I don't know all like the ship terminology and stuff, so I, I wouldn't want to tell people that. Well, I just, now, like next time we go back, I want to go there. I want to see the 1900 museum and the ship. Okay, yeah, you can tell me about this our last go around. Jeez, I feel left out. We did other things. You cannot hit up all of Galveston stuff in one weekend. We can try. I mean, I still haven't, I've seen the Alyssa several times. I still haven't walked it. I say I'm going to do it every single time me, Casey, and the kids go, but it doesn't end up happening. So the Alyssa resides at Pier 21. She is a beautiful historical ship from 1877 that has been restored. It got restored originally in the 1980s when it docked in Galveston and has been well cared for and even still makes the occasional sale. So it is a significant pier in Galveston. Um, But continuing on the other Mitchell properties, they also owned the Tremont House, another historic hotel which predates Texas even joining the Union um, and will be a show topic in the future. Oh, yeah, because she be haunted. Yeah, she's very haunted and she has seen some things and has caught fire at least twice, as well as, I mean, it's in Galveston also, so it's been affected by these hurricanes just like the Galvez. It's just in it, like, on the opposite side. It's on the Strand side, yeah. Um, It's not a beachfront property. So, um, anyway, the Mitchells were not, they were not new to property management and were probably a a well choice that the universe gave as owners to the Galvez. So, Cynthia Wood Mitchell told her husband, if you really care about Galveston, you will buy the Galvez. So, he did. Way to guilt trip him. (laughs) I thought she was going to be like, if you really care about me. Yeah. (laughs) No, they, I mean, they own a lot in Galveston, um, and a lot of it is for preservation and everything like that. That's awesome. Way to go, you guys. So, three years in a $20 million restoration project began with the intent to bring the Galvez back to itself from 1911. I'm sorry, did you say $300 million? No. No, I said three years and $20 million. Wow. Clearly, money and numbers are not your thing. <laughs> That's just not clicking with you today. It's not. Not so, at all. It was very well thought out. They were studying old photographs of the hotel so they could try to restore it to look very similar. That's awesome. Except, you know, they would put in newer materials when they could, and they would refurbish things or restore it if they could as well. Um, So first, they removed the indoor pool, which was put in in the 80s. Um, They did a lot of things in the 80s that I didn't mention here because I'm already talking about a lot of specific hotel details. But in the 80s, they added a motel to the hotel and an indoor pool. Okay, well now, as if you're trying to bring it back to its former glory, the hotel kind of, it, it's not, it's not, it doesn't look good for the hotel. Okay, a luxury hotel does not have a motel attached to it. Yeah, no. They also took out that indoor pool. It was dated. They didn't like it. This is where they put 
the outdoor pool with a swimming bar, which Megan and I know well. Oh, I love their pool. Yes, that I love a good pool bar. I don't have to leave. They really are the best. I even remember loving them when we were kids and we weren't <laughs> drinking. We're I just know. Like, swim up to it. Yeah, we would get. Um, you know, virgin pina coladas or virgin daiquiris and sit there acting all swanky. So fun. So in 2002, the hotel became a member of the Historic Hotels of America. Um, The Mitchell's daughter even oversaw the next remodel in 2005. And this is where, um, between 2005 and 2008, this is where the hotel got their spa, which we said before, Megan and I also visited. Love that too. Yep. The spa center was 10,000 square feet with nine treatment rooms, a salon, and a fitness center. The hotel was still, has been, and is still a very popular venue for weddings, and the spa is pretty booked a lot of the times, um, especially during wedding season, spring into summer. 2011, the Galvez's 100-year anniversary was basically a year-long celebration. You didn't give me a chance to say my fact. Oh, you didn't say your fact, so what did you want me to do? Okay. Didn't give me a chance. Sorry. <laughs> they Rewind. They spas for wedding venues and... Their spa, they opened in, what did you say, March of 2018? 2008. I meant that. <laughs> oh, do you remember? I knew that was Kevin. That kicked my butt. Okay, but anyways, so... Then, in September 8th of that same year, of course, another hurricane comes through and ruins the spa. So, they had to um, close it because they needed to repair the spa and lower levels of the hotel because Ike got them. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Open it up. Finally, you know, have the spa and then, mm, just kidding, guys. We got to close it again. Yeah. After doing this, I really decided I won't be owning a hotel anytime (laughs) in my future because... Well, especially not near the coast. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's a bad idea, too. Obviously, there's a demand. I love the beach. I love going to the beach. But you have to be able to survive and have funds for the damage that inevitably will come. Even though the storms can be years, decades apart from each other, they're coming. They're coming. you got to have deep pockets, guys. Exactly. Deep pockets. Well, and then just if you're near the beach, that salt is very... The salt and the air and the water, that's very damaging and erosion will happen. Yeah. So now, like I was saying, 2011, the Galvez's 100-year anniversary was a year-long celebration. They did a mass vow renewal to any couple that got married at the hotel. That is so cute. Isn't that so sweet? Um, You can see these little old couples waddling in. I got married here in 1925. Actually, that's a really long time. So not 1925, but... Yeah. Um, On the actual centennial day, June 11th, 2011, the hotel invited the public to visit the Hall of History, which is located at the lower level of the property, where you can take self-guided tours even today. So Mitchell Properties did sell off their ownership and along with the Tremont Hotel um, in 2020. So since 2021, the now Grand Galvez Hotel and Spa is owned by Mark Wyant from Dallas. Um, It's been undergoing reservations reservations renovations but remains open uh they'll just open up the parts that have been completed or are not under construction yeah i went last summer with a girlfriend we stayed because we knew the galvez was under construction so we stayed at the san louis and but i still went to the galvez for the spa and went and had lunch because i love their restaurant there and i just 
I had to show my friend that I went with the Galvez. I'm like, this is where we're going to stay next time we come because this is my favorite spot. Yeah. Because it, it's just the history of it. I'm, you know, Ashley and I are big history buffs. We love learning about the past and just the architecture and the details and everything. And it, it really just takes you back. But we did go there and we were talking to the waiter and you had the option to pick a new room or an old room because they were halfway oh, through the construction. That's... And it was, it was funny because we were sitting at the lunch thing talking to this... Uh, uh, older lady you know and older people aren't as good with technology <laughs> so mm-hmm. she was very not happy because they've been going every summer to stay there since they got married and she was very unhappy with all of the, <laughs> the stuff going on she's like i just want an old room give me an old room <laughs> so they moved her it was just fun and it was like yep I mean, is it just the key cards that are different what's different? i don't know i it's been it's they're, they're modernizing it. And I know it's very hard when you're modernizing something that is historical. Yeah. And older good. people are set in their ways and exactly. not up to date on all that stuff. Exactly. So it makes it that much harder when they're expecting but, something the same yeah. and it's not. In reality, do you really want the hotel to legitimately be like 1911? No TV, no air no. conditioning, yeah. no You want it amenities. to look like it's there. Exactly. Back to the saltwater pool, literally from the ocean. No. no. Okay. We want modern amenities. So you have to find that line between respecting history and adding in those modern amenities so that people of 2023 can still be comfortable there. And I think that's where people have a hard time. because That's were, a tightrope you're walking. It ain't exactly. easy. Exactly. And I, and I do feel bad, um, as, like for Mark Wyant, because you're going you're gonna to get a lot of flack for the changes that you make. Especially something so beloved. Yeah, yeah, because it is beloved. And one of the big things that people are having a hard time with is the paint color. Including me. Including <laughs> Megan. But let me tell you. Okay, so here, here's a picture, Lainey, just so you can see. If you remember, like I said, that the stucco was mixed with red mm-hmm. Texas granite and was pinkish. So Mark Wyant wanted a pinkish color. And so they have been... People got really upset because some of it was like, oh my gosh, that's Pepto Pink. Well, not, they were testing paint colors is what they were doing. So it does have a, I mean, it is pink now. One, it was pink to begin with. And two, the beach is the only place where you can have whatever wild colors you want. And it's totally acceptable. That's true. Because if you go into suburban neighborhood and there's a purple house, you're like, why the F do you have a purple house? But if you go to the beach, no one questions a blue next to a yellow next to a purple. Yeah. What I have a problem with is the pink on the outside, which is more pinky than what it used to be, kind of almost more peachy, Mm -hmm. which to me looked better. But the fact that their bar inside now is red and it's just that pink and red I can't do. Yeah. I can't do. It's too much. That's fair. Yeah, because the bar, when you go inside now, is kind of like... They've taken it back and it kind of, but it kind of has like a Vegasy, burlesque, like because oh, of the red yeah. vibe to it. So to me, all that just doesn't add up. But I'm, you know, partial to the way it looked. I was just fine with the way I it do. looked before. I, I like just the, fresh paint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, I mean, I like that's that me. mahogany vibe yes. and like the bar had that. that I do like that. Um, so this is tens of millions of dollars that's being put into the Galvez right now. But it is a part of the Marriott Autograph Collection. Um, so I guess that's kind of cool. So now let's talk about some of the ghosts that haunt the Galvez. And can I just start by saying this? Okay, I'm not. I don't know. Yes. No, I it's like safe. You didn't it's wait safe. For me to- it's safe. I had to cut you off because I know you're going to be like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, because they never know what's going to come out of my mouth. Um, but I was not a big 
ghost believer yeah. in all of that stuff until we went to the Galvez. Mm-hmm. So it kind of knocked me back on my butt and it made me think, hmm. Maybe there's something to yeah. this. Yeah. No, I'm excited because <laughs> Ashley and I guess Laura and I, we like the ghosty stuff, but I've never really like heard your stories. I know you've right. told me some of Galveston or Galvez, but I'm excited to, so, to hear uh, Megan's story. And I've said that before. Like, I'm on the fence with ghost things. I mean, I believe that places have energy. Um, See, and I but, never believed, like, those type of words coming out of my mouth, the energy the, of the place. Hippie. It sounds It sounds hippy-dippy, and I am the farthest thing in the I world with my crystals from hippy-dippy. Yeah. And for <laughs> those words to be what I use to describe yeah. my feeling there, that says a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. So, the, um... And nope. I, <laughs> sorry, I now lost my train of thought. I froze your brain. Because you, you were like, well, can I say something first? And then you kept talking, so I'm, now I'm forgetting where I'm at. Um, so those that are long gone still do make appearances at the hotel. We did talk about Sister Catherine. So the nun haunts the hotel as well as children. Um, the nun has been seen many times over the years as well as the sounds of children. Well, the he, sounds of children, the waiter we talked to when we were eating dinner that night, remember? Mm-hmm. He said that, yeah, him and some of the other people, they've heard the children. Yeah, and I, Megan, I have a story that we're going to say three sentences from now. Um, so people have reported the nun before big storms, especially. She spends time in the courtyard, oh, but they'll say sense. that she's looking out at the ocean and she'll even wave her hands like as if she's trying to warn beachgoers and stuff. That makes a storm sense. Coming. That makes Isn't that sense. like, I, I kind of want to go now, like when a storm's coming, be like, the Galvez makes it through it all. We'll just stay there. No biggie. I know. I just got the chills saying that because that to we'll me is We'll just make sure it's like, crazy. A, you know, it's a cat too or three <laughs> nothing four or five we're not that adventurous yes um so the sounds of children so megan and i do you want to tell her or you want me to tell it i'll tell it okay. i'm excited okay no so one night we were a little little tipsy not gonna lie this was what night two or was this night one two it all all the spooky stuff happened on night Two? Yes, yeah. because yeah, I was like, if one more thing happens, we're leaving. Oh, yes. Because that, that, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was all within a few hours. It was weird. So, okay. Well, that was, that happened. Okay, so this, the children part was our second ghost experience, okay. so to speak. So we were getting down the floors. You know, we're going down the elevator from our first experience. We're getting down the floors. <laughs> we're going down from the level that we were visiting our first ghost sighting, and two happened. We got off the elevator. We were walking down the hallway, and we just, there. you could feel it. There was just an energy. Like, I had goosebumps, and my hair felt like static. Like, the hair on my arm standing off, you know. And I remember showing Ashley and her showing me, look at my hair. It's standing up. That's, wait, wait, that, That's what happened on the fifth floor. Yeah, but no. it was still happening once, once, once we got back to the third once floor. Once we got back down to our floor and we had this experience, okay. it came up again. Okay, gotcha. So, you know, so anytime there was a ghost, something happening, we got that feeling again. And so we're walking down the hall and none of us said neither one of us said anything we both just kept walking we were walking from the elevator to our hotel room and it sounded like a kid was running behind us we never said anything to each other until after this happened but you could hear something and we, we both stepped out of the way wait, like a yes. kid was coming and we and, were like what the heck and i felt cold and something brush up against me and that's when we both finally turned around and there was nothing yeah it was really weird and we both just looked at each other and i was like did you hear that the whole time she's like yeah did you hear that the whole time i was like yes the whole time i thought this literally no one in the hallway it's just me and megan nobody so cool just us super super weird and then we opened our door (laughs) yeah so 
The children, it has been known that they like to play pranks. That may have been one of them. The other thing that the children like to do is they like to turn lights on and off as well as flush toilets, um, which really freak people out. If no one's there flushing a toilet, that's a really disturbing sound. Oh, um, so, so yeah, one, that makes for our third one. Yes. So this, and we're saving, we're saving, I guess, the best for last, but... This was when we were going to bed. So we go lay down. <laughs> this is where my big sister protectiveness did not kick did in. Did not kick in even a little bit. She coiled like a child. I so, pulled the covers up to my nose. So Megan and I were watching TV. There's a lamp on, and the lamp is at the other side of the room. We're both in separate By beds. a window yeah, with by curtains. A, yeah, I'm by setting a window the scene. with curtains. Okay. So the curtains start moving. Megan's freaking out. I literally... No AC. The AC's not running. Let me let me tell you that much. Why not? You're always hot. Well, it is... It's not like it had just kicked on, you know, because at hotels you can hear it kick yeah. on when it's, yeah. like, really working. Yeah. And it, it was not not at that time. No. So the curtains were moving. Then the 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 lamp starts, like, flickering, like, on and off, on and off, on and off. And Megan, yeah, she coiled <laughs> under that bedspread and was like, I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it. I'm not... I was I like, are you them. serious? You're the older sister here. I was like, you gotta go do that. Yeah, she was like, you have to do it. And I was like, oh my gosh. So <laughs> I really don't usually mind doing those things, but it was more the principle of Megan should do it as the older sister, but whatever. <laughs> and she uh, looked at me and she's like, you look ridiculous. Because she like, on the way to the lamp, turns back know, and looks at me. She's sitting there with just her eyes sticking out, like nose and everything covered. It was so ridiculous. I was not going and there. And she was like, so I, I just went and unplugged it. And she's like, if that light still goes on with it unplugged, we are leaving okay <laughs> i was like if that happens one more time i'm done okay. i'm gone we're checking out in the middle of the night <laughs> we so, have it we had it on video at one point in time showing where the curtains moved and the light was going on and off yes uh, yeah we Maybe. have it somewhere yeah we'll have to look yeah, for it find that i want to see it so people that visit the spa may hear a little girl whisper in your ear oh that would fucking ruin me. ice cream so oh, I didn't hear that, and I wouldn't like that. Yeah. Don't whisper anything in my ear. I already uh-uh. have a thing about my ears. I don't like people whispering or getting close to my ears. Well, and that's just weird, because my husband is an ice cream man, so to speak. <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> Somebody in my ear go, ice cream. <laughs> just freak me out. Make that weirdly sexual. <laughs> um, so this is where the soda fountain and ice cream bar were, were once located. So this little girl in the afterlife is still looking for ice cream. So Poor sad. thing. Um, but Glad she didn't just, visit me. <laughs> not just that, there have been little handprints on the shower doors of the spa indicating mm. their presence. Oh, and wow. while many of the staff will say, like, no, we've never seen a ghost, many of them will say that they have cleaned off those little handprints, and then minutes after, those handprints reappear on the glass. That's so creepy. They're like, okay, haven't physically seen anything. Well, but... and you're not going to see little kids down in the spa. No, so that makes that, it even but creepier. But it was an area where there was the Coke fountain and... I know, but like I'm saying, that makes it even creepier because nowadays mm. the spa is adults oh, getting I massages and stuff. Oh, yeah. So to see little handprints, you know something's of off. Yeah. yeah. So the ground floor... This one... These two things kind of creep me out. So the ground floor restrooms is a place of a lot of ghostly activity. Oh, I don't want to be spooked on the shitter. Okay. <laughs> so toilets flushing on their own. Let's just shoot out real quick. <laughs> oh my gosh. I've had a movement. <laughs> so the sinks go, turn, the water's turning on and off. You'll hear the handle stalls rattling like somebody's trying to get into your stall. Um, stall doors closing and opening on their own. Even creepier, there have been reports in the women's restroom of heavy breathing in the oh, stall. No. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Shame on you, ghost. Shame on you. 
That is nasty. No. See, their ice cream comes into play there, huh? Mm-hmm. So many of the guests have said that there is a sudden drop, and this is still in the women's restroom. There's a sudden drop of air pressure, which makes it really hard for them to breathe. Mm-mm. And no, no. then they'll suddenly hear a woman sobbing. Nope, 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 nope. Okay, nope. Well, let me give you a creepier one. Oh, the men's no. restroom. Yeah, and I want to go back. Stop. <laughs> the men's restroom. They don't get all the same activity. Like there's a lot of more consistent activity. But they do see an elderly man standing at, staring at them in the mirror. That's creepy. That is super creepy. It said he had like a mournful look on his face and you could only see him in the mirror. But he's not actually behind you. No. Mm-mm. So I'm, this is, this is the bigger ghost story. So this is about to be the ghost of Audra. I am literally going to read it from Kathleen Maka's A History of the Hotel Galvez. Um, just because it's hard for me to rewrite it when she said it pretty well. So here we go. Story let time. Me, let me find my page. <laughs> so the most famous ghost of the Hotel Galvez is called Audra also known as the Lovelorn Bride. Her story is classically tragic in the style of Romeo and Juliet. Audra was engaged to a mariner who sailed out of the port of Galveston. In the mid-1950s, she checked into room 501, the most haunted room at the hotel, by the way, at the Hotel Galvez to await her return. After to which, await his turn. Return. Or her yes. return. <laughs> yes. We can't talk. Sorry, my yes. bad. I'll shut up. Awaiting his return after they planned, and then they planned to be married when he came back. Um, Each day, she would walk down the hall of the fifth floor, take an elevator to the eighth, and then climb a narrow ladder leading to one of the four turrets atop the hotel. Sitting inside the shelter of a hexagonal turret, she would watch through an opening for his ship to return. When Audra received the news that her lover's ship had gone down in the storm with all hands on deck, she refused to abandon hope. She, She kept her vigil of returning to the turret to watch for him. But after several days, the heartbroken bride began to accept that she would never see him again. In her despair, she hanged herself in the West Turret, where she had last seen his ship sail out to sea. As if her story was not tragic enough, a few days after her death, her fiancé came looking for her at the hotel. It seems that he had been rescued by a passing ship during the storm. To this day, because of the reported paranormal events that Audra causes in room 501, it is the most requested room at the hotel, though she doesn't always want company. Most visitors simply feel uncomfortable, but others have more memorable encounters. Shortly after her death, people began reporting light coming from the tower at night when there, when no electricity existed at the time. The hotel and staff have collected countless accounts of ghostly experiences in the room over the years, and it has been visited by numerous news and film crew. When Audra isn't feeling social, no key will work to open the door to her room. In recent years, one guest returned a problematic electri- electronic key to the front desk and asked the assistant asked for assistance of the desk clerk. When the key was scanned to check for the room code, it displayed expired 1955, which was the year she killed herself. Oh, wow. That's crazy. <clears throat> the phone in room 501 has been known to repeatedly ring at night, and the switchboard reports that no, no calls were ever received, so people... The phone won't stop ringing, but downstairs, it's not showing that anybody's actually calling the room, which is super creepy. That would piss me off, though, the phone kept ringing all night. <laughs> yeah. Like, God. Guests have felt the pressure of something invisible sitting on the bed beside them or heard a disembodied voice whisper their name from behind. 
Just See, disembodied. Mm, it's no. just not a, I don't like it. Because imagine you're in there with your husband and then no kids and you're, you know, you're having your fun alone time and then you hear, mm, no, no, Audra, let us, let us have our time. Okay. Yeah. Ice cream. Yeah. Yeah, no. Let us have our time. We're away from the kids. Just let us do our thing, please. <laughs> yes. Haunt me when I'm on the shitter, okay? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Workers and guests alike have heard footsteps or seen misty form of a woman retracing Audra's steps down the hall of the fifth floor, hearing soft, whimpering sobs as she nears the elevators. Sometimes they detect the smell of gardenias, reportedly her favorite perfume, um, like side that. note, also mine. So that kind of creeps me out. Now, how do I know if it's mine or hers? Well, you weren't wearing gardenia then, and we didn't I was, and I don't. Then. I don't really wear it every day anyway. So the same scent often wafts through the lot, the lobby, leading employees to believe that Audra does not confine herself to one floor. In addition to Audra and the children who roam the fifth floor, there are scratching sounds mm. and a woman's voice that have been rep- reported from. In addition to room five hundred one, five hundred, and five hundred three. So. If you are not a ghost spooky person or you get scared from those things, probably just stay off the fifth floor altogether. But the fifth floor is where Megan and I visited before we went back down to our floor where the kid was apparently chasing us from behind. And right when those doors opened, that is our hair stood up. We both had goosebumps, which I'll tell you, I'm very much a skeptic when it comes to ghosts, even though I love ghost stories and stuff. I'm very much a skeptic. But this is where I do believe in energy because my body was reacting to it. I didn't feel like I didn't see anything. And that was the first time probably in my entire life where I'm like, you can feel the energy in here. Like those words I never thought would leave my mouth and it happened. (laughs) That's definitely an experience when you're not thinking about something or seeing something or smelling something, but your body is having that reaction. It's it's wild, man. And again, me being the not protective big sister that I am (laughs) apparently actually wanted to go down the whole way all the way to the door because the room was occupied so you know we didn't want to bug anybody because this was like I just went and stood in front of room 501 like a total creep like yeah oh yeah think I'm the ghost because I'm just sitting there staring at the door I was like (laughs) we're getting kicked out you're a total creep wad but no I wouldn't even go all the way down the hallway with her because I was like so creeped out because I actually like felt something so I was just like no you can keep going I'll just stand here and watch you Uh (laughs) so she walked down the hallway the rest of the way by herself and i was like i can see you i'm just hanging back (laughs) so yeah so that it was creepy and then of course then we went back down to our room got chased by a kid and then that light started flickering so it was a weird like hour and a half yeah that kid just came from the fifth floor to your room with you Maybe it was like Audra's not in business tonight but i am yeah exactly (laughs) i'm 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 down to down to clown um so the i'm down the clown (laughs) he was clowning he was I felt like I was 90 saying clowning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sounded like it. I'm sorry. The it's portrait okay. of Bernardo de Galvez is another little spooky object. Um, apparently, he prefers you to ask permission before taking a picture in front of his painting. Huh. Those that have not, and of course not all, he doesn't do it every single time. Sometimes he wants you to ask. Sometimes I don't think he cares. Those that don't ask his permission have felt um, uneasiness. They very much feel his eyes watching them. And this is the picture I showed you guys at the beginning. I'm sorry. I'm not going to ask permission because I look stupid asking a portrait. Can I take a picture with you? Okay. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. I would ask. (laughs) I would too. Because why not? Like, get in the spirit of it. I would just do that. And I do the same thing. Um, God, where was I? What if it said no? (laughs) 
Oh, uh, then I would listen. I would not <laughs> just take his picture. Do you just like creep over like? Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm gonna good. do it. You got it, Dagal. This. So when they take a picture, they have the feeling of, of uneasiness, but they also, when they take the picture, it's not of his face. It's a skull-shaped glare Ooh. where his face should be. So it what? like completely messes up the picture. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. No, yeah. thank you. So even staff have received calls from rooms where there are no guests. And one even weirder story, the operator received a call from room 409 where the operator got calls several times one night but could not get a voice on the phone. She went to the staff member or whoever was at the desk thinking maybe somebody was in need of medical assistance. Maybe this was an emergency. And so they were like, hey, go check out room 409. Not only was there no guest at room 409, but it was also under construction and it's the middle of the night. So nobody was wandering in there. That was super weird. Um, one repairman reported that when he went to room 503. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> what? I was trying to find a picture of the, the skull looking back and I found this like revolutionary <laughs> photo of a guy picking the skull's nose. Oh. And that's what she holds up to me. I'm like, I can't hold it back. <laughs> I found the wrong thing yet again, but it made my Maybe day. we can post that to let everybody know what we got a good chuckle out of. No. <laughs> but we're trying to be quiet and not ruin the things. She holds that up. Thanks, Lainey. <laughs> I think we should post that picture just so people know. <laughs> so one repairman reported when he went to room 503, very close to Audra's room, he went to repair the television. He unplugged it and then the TV came on. No. He goes, enjoy yourself. And then he bolted. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me. <laughs> nope. Nope. Have fun. Bye. Have fun. Okay. Bye. So. There are several more ghosts, but this was just a few. Ghost tours are given at the hotel, mostly in October, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think they do it all the time, but there are self-guided tours for the history of the hotel. But this is the history of the Galvez, a hotel that I have come to love and cherish. One of my absolute favorite things about Galveston is their love of history, and it's off and they often show a lot of respect to their history and historical properties and other spaces. So thankful, I'm thankful for people like the Moody's, the Kempers, the Mitchells, and yes, a thank you. lot of others who have spent so much time and energy on the upkeep and the maintenance and the renovations of this historical property. Um, I feel like it's it's been care it's been cared for and respected. It's so pretty inside, and it's such you know a trip to the past. Like if you're ever in Texas or, well, Texas is a huge state, so I can't say in Texas because that's, woo, that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, you can be to Midland and it's going to take you nine yeah. hours to get to Galveston. <laughs> but if you're in Galveston, definitely visit the Galvez because even if you're not staying there, you can go in and go to the spa or go have lunch and the food's really good and it's just really pretty and to look at a piece of history, something that stood the test of time. Yeah. Oh, I did forget. I'm sitting here holding one ghost picture that was taken and this is taken at the bar. Tell me when you see it. Here's where we're going to have some audio. Oh, yeah. Stuff. Hello, little kitty. Uh-huh. I believe it's a girl. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> you have a girl ghost. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a girl. That's there. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's. are that's, some yeah. pictures that you can find where people have captured ghosts. Um, but that's it. Thank you guys for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the history of the Galvez. I hope the Galvez, if anybody there ever listens, that 
I didn't totally botch your story. So, And thanks for my sisters finally letting me be a part of this. Yeah, she's been asking for a while. I've been like, a little bit what? butthurt, okay? <laughs> I was like, you know what? Since you went to the Galvez with me, you can, you can be on the Galvez episode. And I'm too loud, and I'm not politically correct enough in the way I talk. They're scared I'm a ticking time bomb. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad Sometimes that we Sometimes you are a ticking today. time bomb. <laughs> but... Two years ago, Mother's Day, Megan and I went. So I was like, you know what? This is going to be like a Mother's Day sort of episode. So, it's almost Mother's Day. Happy Mother's she Day. She did that on purpose. Happy Mother's Happy Day, Mother's my Day. beautiful All mother sisters. Mother sisters. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's my sister bride. <laughs> sister wife. Sister wife. Sorry. Sorry. Call Megan. I call Megan my sister wife because I lost my actual wedding band and she had one very similar and she gave it to me. So. Megan's my sister wife. Yeah, I think I even fake proposed when I was like, do you want this? And she lost your band and I have so many jewels. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was like, It was super sweet. romantic. Yeah, made her put out her finger. Oh my God, I, I thought you were going to say I made her put out. I was no! like, what are you saying right <laughs> oh now? Oh my God, no, I would never say that on live radio. <sighs> this isn't radio. Well, whatever, grandma. you know what I mean. I'm grandma. so flustered right now. Okay, you got sexual with it. Yeah. Okay. So with that, bye guys. Let's end on incest. <laughs> yeah, incest, incest, it's the best. It's oh my gosh, and ticking time bomb. This is what I'm talking about. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Bye.